You're listening to the Gateway Franklin Church Podcast. To learn more about Gateway Franklin Church, including our service times here in Franklin, Tennessee, visit us online at gatewayfranklin.com. And now, here is this week's message. Um, This is Jordan Berry. Jordan Berry will be sharing in the message with us today, with me today, not us. You You won't be talking. Um, maybe you can talk among yourselves, but I'll introduce Jordan in a second and how we're going to put this together. Um, you know, we've been in a three-week series on um, on work and God at work, and we did the first one. I did a joint message with Mary Beth Dodd on work as purpose, um, and then the next uh, last week I did work as worship, and this week we're going to do work as as life. Um, what are the two subjects at work you're not supposed to talk about? Religion and politics, right? And so we've come into church today and we're going to talk about work. So we're going to flip the script. You know, why, why, why can you not talk about work uh, or worship or Christ or, or, or that at work? And why can we talk about it in church? And I'll tell you why. I said, because in most workplaces, um, they will see you as a, a kind of differentiated, right? And, and we, we even differentiate ourselves, or we separate ourselves, right? Because you've heard the phrase, um, well, it's just business, right? So if you're on the wrong end of that line, that just means you just, you just took a bath, right? And just business, right? It's just business. Now, I can say it's just business, because when we say just business, we'll separate around ethics and morality, we'll separate those pieces out. Um, and in, in many workplaces, that's the expectation for you, that you show up and you leave your ideology because that's what it would be looked at. You'd leave your ideology behind and you just come and do your job. But the fact is, Christianity is not an ideology. And it's not just a group of belief statements. Christianity is a relationship with a person, with Christ. I no, long, I, I, I no more say that I'm not married when I go to work. I no more not say I'm not a dad when I go to work that I can say that I am not a follower of Christ at work. It's all a part of who I am. Um, work is not a separate arena and it is not separate rules. We bring all that we are in Christ, we bring that to bear in the workplace. Uh, our workplace is our parish. It is the place in which God has placed us and the people around us. And so I have to look at it at that way as well. And what this does is it makes my workplace a more, rede- the potential for its redeeming work skyrockets when I understand my work as worship, when I understand that God created me with a purpose, and that purpose was work. Work connects us to the Father. He created us um, to work. Um, there are plenty of people that tell me that they're doing their life's work. It's a small amount, especially with that stat that you sure. dropped, on, dropped the bomb on later on the message. Um, and some people just don't want, to, they don't want work associated with their life at all, right? Work isn't my life. So what is it? How do we work our life, in, our work, work life, right, that, that's integrated? Um, just to circle back to that, that idea of your workplace is your parish, um, in, the, in the 90s, there was a term that came about in missiology circles called the 1040 window. So this is the 1040 window behind me. It's 10 degrees latitude, 40 degrees north latitude. And when you stretch that band across from North Africa east, it represents where the world's most unreached people groups are. 
Okay, so these are people more than likely can't actually be born, live, and die, and never hear the word Jesus. Um, so you see the predominantly Muslim areas, there's predominantly Hindu areas, Buddhist areas, Buddhism. So where these are the birthplaces of these world religions, and the more interesting piece to me is the gray shaded area, which represents most of China. And you would say, oh, well, well China, well, that has to be, you know, Buddhist. There's all kinds of... Um, isms you could put there, but more, more succinctly, um, and Russia too, I believe is probably included in a chunk of that, is the, the worship is of the state. Okay, so they worship the state, they worship the state leader. There was this, so this void of trying to avoid religion. In fact, um, Christianity uh, in certain circles when you read was, was, was one of the driving forces in the fall of the Iron Curtain. Um, because it allows people to experience freedom even when they're not free. Christianity does. It's, it's why it wants to be kind of out of a communistic system because it brings freedom where they're trying to squelch that kind of freedom. But along those lines in the 90s when that was starting to be identified, there was another phrase that popped up and it was called the 9 to 5 window. The 9 to 5 window. Our workspaces, right? It was represent, representation of our workspaces that those workspaces represent a void a void of Christian and Christ influence because of um, how many people then would, were not following Christ and how um, uh, suppressed we, we as believers into that workplace, how we felt. We kept mar feeling marginalized and pushed, pushed out and pushed out of that circle, which made then that nine to five window an amazing place to demonstrate who Christ is, right, and the message of Christ. So um, your workplace is significant in that regard. So today when we talk about work as life and how these things connect, um, Jordan and his family, Katrina, and their three kids have been part of the congregation a couple years now, I think. Um, and uh, he is the executive vice president of a company called Diaconia. And that's a unique name for a company. Uh, it's actually Greek meaning serving or service. So, um, so I want to um, let him unpack what an executive vice president does because I'm not sure what they do. Um, and a little bit about your company. Yeah, for sure. I, I thought I was sure um, what EVPs did until I... So he mentioned we've got three kids. Um, 12-year-old is Adia, and she was here in the first service pretending to be invisible the whole time that I was up here because uh, I'm not near enough. I'm not near cool enough uh, for her. Our nine-year-old is Sawyer, and our six-year-old is uh, Margo. And so I had this conversation that we were going to have this morning rolling around in my head. I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday. And I was in the car with the two uh, littles, and I said, hey, what do you guys think dad does when he goes to work? When, he leaves in the, when I leave in the morning, what do I do? And the answers were wildly entertaining. Uh, but I'll give you the top three, the family feud style. I'll give you the top three answers. Uh, the first was uh, dad goes out to eat a lot, um, which they're not entirely wrong about. Um, and so the second answer uh, was still pretty correct. Dad talks on the phone a lot. I don't love to do that, but I don't also think that the phone is a little bit more efficient uh, than email, so now you know my age. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and so the third, and this is, this is where things started to get a little interesting, um, they said I played golf a lot. <laughs> and uh, 
Pastor, you've seen my I golf game. EVP so I think, and pastoring might be a parallel. <laughs> so I think you can attest to the fact that I don't spend a lot of time on the golf course, actually. Um, and so, uh, I, you know, diaconia is, uh, as Pastor mentioned, it's Greek for in service or ministry to others. Uh, been in business about 40 years. Uh, I've been a part of the company. Actually, Adi, I just saw you're still here. So actually, she's... She's still here. And still invisible. Still pretending to be invisible, yeah. Um, We've been in business about 40 years and we play primarily in the material handling space. And so you guys probably have no idea Diaconia, DCS, Talis, some of the companies that we own, but we are responsible in large part for getting the Amazon, UPS, and FedEx trucks into your driveway uh, every day or multiple times a day, depending on <laughs> no, show, no show of hands on that. Um, so we play in the material handling space. We provide turnkey solutions for these large companies. So we do everything soup to nuts from the manufacturing uh, to the integration, project management, engineering, uh, et cetera, software automation and robotic, robotics. That tends to be the cooler side of what we do, uh, but kind of full wholesale material handling. And so um, I've been with the company about 10 years. And so when I got here, we were uh, just shy of 30 million, which is, you know, not tiny, uh, but we're just shy of about 600 million now. Uh, So still not massive, but not tiny anymore. And uh, the only reason that I give you guys uh, that stat is because I think there's a direct correlation, you know, with why we're here today talking about uh, talking about the integration of life and work and faith and all of these things, uh, because somewhere along the way, we've been on this journey for the 10 years that I've been with Diaconi to figure out how can we how can we do well? So how can we have influence, uh, you know, generate revenue, do all of these things that a capitalistic society rewards? How can we do well? but also do good and not forsake that. And not in a virtue signaling, kind of changing my LinkedIn profile photo kind of way, but how can we actually do the inputs that equal a better outcome for individuals, both in our company and those that we have uh, th- that we have influence over. And so we've been on uh, that journey. My role is EVP, and so I've got really two hemispheres to my role, cover those very quickly. The boring side is the administrative side, so, uh, and I'm sorry to any of you who work in finance or accounting, <laughs> but I've got all finance, accounting, HR, legal, risk management, IT. So all those administrative functions, roll up through myself and my team. But the fun side of what I get to do uh, is, is, is what we call growth. So there's the governance side, which is the admin side, and the growth side, which is um, uh, I handle all of our strategic planning, all of our corporate development. So if we're ever buying another company or building another company from scratch, that runs through my team as well. So that tends to be the more fun side. That's, what a, I get that's to do. a side we've, in, we've kind of connected around. So I get to be an entrepreneur with a 401k, yeah. essentially. Yeah, it's, so. uh, it, it's been really. So when, when, when I first met Jordan, he was talking about what he did. I never really understood it. Um, I, under, I understand a little bit better, you know, as we work through this piece, but now when, as we, you know, it sounds like a pretty good job, you know, how, how do I end up being an EVP at a company that looks like it has kind of a, a good serving base to it? How do yeah. I, don't I just start there, right? I just... Yeah, so the first thing you'll notice is when you walked through the lobby, there are no books requiring my signature at the end of this talk because I don't have it figured out. I don't have a framework. We, we don't have a three, seven, or 10-step plan to say, hey, here's how you go from where you are to some role that's in executive leadership or in some level of leadership or really whatever it is that you're looking to do. Um, I don't have that three, seven, or 10 step uh, plan. And in fact, we could talk about the degrees, we could talk about different things. Sure, I've I've got some of those things. I think those are actually less relevant um, in speaking to the success that I've been able to find at work. I think those are actually less relevant than the frustrations and the hardships and sort of the less glamorous parts. You know, I think about when I was 16, I took a job at a company called Just For Feet. Anybody remember? 
my man Charles, okay. Anybody else? Okay. Uh, shoe store that actually smelled like feet. And so um, probably because there was this small basketball court in there, and so they would host these two-on-two tournaments. You could do all the things. Come buy your sneakers, get right in them, and, 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 and hoop, and all the things. And, um, and that job taught me so much about what it means to, to, to sell. You know, it taught me that selling was not pushing a product, but rather meeting an actual need. And there's a whole lot more we can unpack there. I worked at Logan's Roadhouse for a little while. And, uh, and guys, that was, a, that was a low point for me. That was the least fun job, I think, that I've ever had. Even as an Enneagram 7, you would think walking up to these different uh, tables and kind of starting a new relationship every time was fun. Uh, it, it, it really wasn't. It didn't feel glamorous. It didn't feel fulfilling. Uh, but I can pull so much from that experience, being light on my feet, being able to manage uh, multiple expectations, multiple stakeholders, multiple things at the same time. And yes, it's serving food, but those skills translate to other things. Uh, I think about working for or, you know, you talk about working for your father. He's in one bay and you're in the other. Uh, and those stories resonate with me so hard. My father owned a machine repair business. And so uh, you see me like this. My wife used to see me come home covered in grease and dirt to the point where I'd have to take off my shoes and even sometimes uh, clothes on the front porch just to walk in straight to the shower because the work that we did was so grimy and dirty. And uh, I hated it so much in the moment. But I've come to appreciate that so much now, uh, so much to the point where I... My first job at Diaconia was in executive HR leadership, which, by the way, I did not have the resume to support. Please don't go back in time and tell them that. Um, but uh, I didn't have the resume to support that job. But my first day, I showed up at our manufacturing plant. Uh, and sympathy is one thing, and it's powerful. Leverage it if, if, you, if you haven't been where other people are. But, man, empathy is a really, really powerful thing. And so I was able to walk this floor and see a group of people who've been largely overlooked, not appreciated, uh, and man, manufacturing is the backbone of what we do and enjoy uh, every day in our society, whether it's glamorous or whether it's dirty, they're manufacturing across the spectrum. Uh, and so being where I was and being dirty and grimy and remembering trying to get all that out of my fingernails, I'm walking through this shop and literally thinking, I need to remember their name, I need to remember their wife's name, and so on and so forth. And so I was in a position where I could influence a better outcome for them. Uh, and you know, another thing that I think about is these, uh, these couple of tech startups that I was a part of. I mentioned failure. Uh, man, I failed hard a couple of times on a couple of tech startups that took a lot of time, money, uh, resources. And you know, it's, again, it's easy to look at somebody who's in a position, whether that's me or anybody else, uh, and I don't claim to have made it by any means, but it's easy to look at that in a social media snapshot view and say, man, must have been the degree and this and that. Uh, and really, I think, I think how we get here is more about our failure and what went wrong sometimes than what went right and how we use that and how we look back and see that God was shaping us all along the way to leverage those things for where he's calling us to. Yeah, I, I put it in this phrase here, the success that any of us have comes from and out of our submission to Christ in each work season. Any success that we have comes out of a submission to Christ in each work season. So, you know, we'll back up into that prayer because, you know, how, how did you, you know, what was the connecting pieces and kind of maybe, maybe when something snapped for you? Yeah, so I don't know where it was in my work career, but I remember sitting uh, under a sermon, under a pastor, uh, and listening to the sermon on humility. And I was in my mid-20s and uh, had tons of humility already myself, and so I wasn't sure I really needed that, uh, that sermon. Um, and so I, I, was, I was inclined to check out a little bit, and, uh, and then he said something that got my attention, and it's, it's rattled me to this day. Uh, he said, humility is not a practice, it's a posture. So it's not something that we do. 
but it's just something that we are. It's this re it's, it, it really starts with this recognition of who we are in context of God, of who we are in context of the world and its bigness and its broadness. Um, and we can choose to think that life is about us or we can mm -hmm. see something bigger and choose to play a part in that. Uh, and I know it sounds silly to think that one sermon can change that much. No, but it, it's not silly at but, all. No, it's not. <laughs> but it, every Sunday here, right? Every Sunday. So, so, but, it, but it impacted me so much in my mid-20s and I just had this, this, this realization it kind of, it, it's like I'm moving and I'm moving and then I just stop and everything behind me kind of washes over me. And, and I just have this realization that every relationship I've been a part of, and I'd been married a couple of years at this point, every relationship I'd been a part of, every company I'd been a part of, there was this selfish end. And not in, hey, I'm walking through life as this jerk, this egomaniac, but I certainly wasn't submitted. I had submitted my life to Christ from a salvation perspective, but I had not submitted my life to God from a practice all right, all right. perspective. Beep. Beep, beep. <laughs> Let's reset that. Say that again. I had submitted myself. So I had submitted my life to Christ from a salvation perspective. We didn't rehearse this, so I'm trying to play it back over in my head. But I had not submitted my life to God. And, and I, had not, I had not submitted the elements of my life to God from a practice perspective. So work, relationships, uh, and so we didn't say that in the first service. No, I so. just, but I, I mean, that's, that's a significant thing for you to take away today, right? It's, it's wow, it's, it's one of the reasons why we will talk about work in church today. I mean, that just that statement, because, you know, there's other messages we talked about um, that we don't have a different pieces to our life, right? We don't have a work life, a family life, a private right. life. We are, we are one person in Christ and yet we'll walk out these doors today and you'll show up at work tonight or Monday morning and somehow we disengage it's just easy yeah. to disengage that piece so the submission piece is the key to the engagement piece right I don't, I don't submit that piece that was that was huge. So in that sermon, he said, he said something. So he, he starts it by being a posture. And so that's this mentality that we've got to kind of just put on. It's just a choice that we're making. But then there is a practice that can back that up and reinforce it. Uh, and he said the scripture compels us really to ask for two things. Uh, ask for wisdom and ask for favor. And so um, the interesting thing about that, so I think if you polled any kindergarten class across the nation and you said, hey, what superpower do you want? Uh, or if you could have any superpower in the world, you know, in a Marvel universe that we live in, uh, right now, um, I've never seen any of the Marvel movies, so no judgment. But in the Marvel universe that we live in right now, that's probably not the superpower, wisdom and favor that these, that these kids would ask for. It's not invisibility, it's not super strength, but there's something so powerful about asking for those two things because there's this recognition that in and of myself, I'm not smart enough to move through my day, encounter the things that I'm gonna encounter and do the right thing that's, that's in accordance with your will uh, or that has the right outcome, both for myself, my family, or the people around me. Uh, to ask for favor says I'm not smart enough, I'm not good looking enough, I'm not wise enough, I'm not clever enough to get where God needs me to go to have the influence I need to have without some favor from, from, from man. Yeah. Yeah, that's rich. So, so for me, I, to, to kind of backfill with, with the biblical, um, I mean, literal scriptural background for what he's talking about. One, I will, I will throw out Romans 5, 1 through 5, as we deal with kind of as you end up walking through your kind of your work career. Okay. And, and we have a tendency one to believe that growth is linear. 
right? That it, we, we start here and we do this. But that is as, it's actually not how things work, right? There's up, down, up, down, up. And what you're looking for is you're looking for over the course of your life, you're looking for the straight line. But if you get lost in the troughs or think you're amazing in the highs, you, you'll, you won't really kind of get, you don't really get yeah. where God's kind of, kind of taking us. So Romans 5 is unique. He says, Paul says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Already right there, our justification's in Christ. We're made right with God because of Christ, not because of us. So even from the get-go, it's talking about humility there, right? Um, through whom we've gained access into the faith and the grace which we now stand. And we boast, listen, watch, watch the boast piece. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, so we can kind of buy into on boasting into the hope and the glory of God. But how about not only so, but, but also in the glory in our sufferings? He draws these as parallel things. I will boast in the glory of God, but I will also boast in my sufferings. Well, why will I boast in my sufferings? Because of what suffering produces, right? So he says our suffering then ends up producing uh, perseverance, per perseverance character, character hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So if we hold on to where, wherever you are, wherever you are is somewhere in this process and suffering. So I equate that to, I don't like where I am. I'm not doing what I was trained to do. Um, I want more from where I am. All of these are still part of this process um, that we can take and learn and God, let God grow us through when we approach those in a side of humility. Then when he goes into the prayer piece, so I call it, you know, the low-hanging fruit. Here's James 1.5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. This and salvation to me are the two lowest hanging fruits of all of Scripture, right? Because Christ's already done the heavy lifting, so I receive what he's done. I don't do to gain salvation. I receive salvation. Mm -hmm. Here, the reception of wisdom seems to be direct, a direct correlation that I ask for it. But there has to be this recognition that I lack it <laughs> for me to ask yeah, for, right? You don't right. ask for something that's you right. don't lack. So there has to be this, I understand I lack it in this situation, so I ask for it. The other, it's, it's weird in, in Christian circles, especially spirit-filled circles, there's been decades where it's chased after this, what's called the prosperity gospel, that everything's supposed to be perfect, I'm supposed to have everything, and everything in my world is supposed to be right, and if it's not, I'm sinning or I'm not blessed by God, because surely he wants me to have the Maserati <laughs> in two-tone in my garage, right? And so, but what, that, what that's produced, it's produced, though, this kickback version of what was me, I, I, don't, I, I shouldn't have anything, I shouldn't, you know, right? And, but listen to Psalm 90, 90 17, because it, 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 this doesn't apply, it doesn't, it, it's not true. So Psalm 90, 17 says, may the favor, it's a prayer, may the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. May the favor of God rest, rest is to sit, settle mm -hmm. down on us, right? Establish the work of our hands. Yes, establish the work of our hands. This is a psalm. May the favor of God rest on us. This is not a bad prayer. May the favor, Father, establish what you've given me these hands in this place to do. 
This is the great balance piece on this. So three quick points that I like to give so you, you, know, you always have something to hold on to, right? So here they, here they are for this piece. Where you were has gotten you where you are. Where you are isn't your end. Where you were has gotten you where you are. Where you are isn't your end. And I don't care if you've been retired 10 years and you're in the room today, you're watching online, this is, this is not your end. Because if your end may be the end of a time when you served under some capacity with some company, but your purpose wasn't that company and your worship wasn't that company, right? right. So this is Christ. You were, he was, he was, he was um, um, deploying you in that context. And he's just changed your context. Okay? Work, live in the moment whatever moment you're in with purpose as a worship. And I would really encourage you today not to be timid in asking your heavenly father for wisdom and favor. To not that, to not, for that not to be a timid prayer. All right? All right, so um, in my conversations with Jordan over the last couple of years, there's, there's this thing that buzzes around in his head um, that he hates, and we've established... I actually won that debate in the first service. He said he didn't really hate it. I proved, him, strong word. I proved to him yeah. that he actually does hate the term. Um, I'll, I'll save you the semantics <laughs> of the argument. Um, but work-life balance, right? Something we hear to strive for. Give, give your take on that. So um, hate is still a strong word. It was in the first service and it still is in the second. So I think there's a lot of buzz in, you know, read a leadership article, read a book, read HBR, just listen to any podcast. Um, there's this massive push for work-life balance. And I think the spirit of that is, is very good, right? As individuals, as men and women who go to work to do a thing, to perform a task, we can't let that sort of envelop us. Like, we, we can't let that become our identity. We can't work all the time. We've got to turn the phone off. We've got to shut the computer. We've got to do all the things. So, again, conceptually, it makes a lot of sense. As organizations, we need to look at it the same way. Our, our employees are team members. They're human beings with lives, and there's other things going on. I don't own 24 hours of their day. So, again, conceptually, I... I'm right there with it. I get the concept and, and I rhyme with it and I'm not trying to go rogue uh, just for the sake of going rogue. However, I do think that words matter and I think that the words we choose to attach to things matter. And so when we say balance, inherent in the word balance is, is really in my mind, opposition and tension and anxiety and two competing forces, right? Uh, think about it, I mean, really balance, it's, it's a fulcrum and a lever. Uh, I'm not an engineer, I'm not a physicist, but uh, at the end of the day, it's a fulcrum and a lever, and you got two things on each side of that, and one's heavier, one's not. There's this constant tension and teetering and tottering of you know, trying to maintain this balance, and it just feels to me like that's work that shouldn't have to be done. If we look at, we're almost making work the enemy. We're putting it on the other end of our life. We're parsing it out and we're saying, okay, you over there, life over here, whatever that really means. Um, and, 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 and we're trying to find this balance. And I think, you know, for us as an organization, we view health across six key areas. And work is only one slice of that six slice pie that we're looking at. When I look at a human being, when I look at a team member, I'm seeing I'm seeing mental health, I'm seeing relational health, I'm seeing physical health, I'm seeing spiritual health, I'm seeing vocational health, and I'm seeing recreational health. Those six areas have to converge the right way. I think it's more like a rope, right, where these things are stranded together. Um, and so what we do when we parse out one of those things is we, we sort of antagonize it a little bit. I mean, how many of you guys have ever heard anybody say, you know, I'm just really concerned about the state of my relationship life balance? 
or I'm really worried about my play life balance. I'm just not sure that's, that's jiving or that's fitting right now. And so we have a tendency to look at work as though it's not actually a part of our life. We're, we're making it the enemy just by the words that we say. When we say work-life balance, we prefer the term whole life integration. It's not natural to, or it's not uh, uh, proprietary to us. We, we borrowed that from the industry, but we, we believe that all these aspects of life have to work together to create health, which ultimately, man, you create an environment like that, people will run through a wall for you. Yeah, so from, from, a, from a spiritual perspective there, if we see work as something we just do instead of something that we've been purposed to do and crafted to do, and the place in which we do that is our parish, that it's the place God's put us in the time frame, then the, the approach to work changes because it's a piece of our whole life. It's not just one third or one half of our life. It's not just something sitting over here, that somehow you have to check out your God's purpose and his right. will for your life. You you know, over, I say, oh, I'm just looking for God's will for my life. I'm looking for my big purpose. Well, where are you? Because that's a really big key to answer to those two questions. Okay, because, because he can live, he, he, you can live out the will of God and the purpose of God where you are. And believe me, if you embrace that where you are, when he's ready for a venue change, he will make that plain. He will make that plane. He'll 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 organize that. He'll he'll do the shift. Um, has anybody experienced that? That there, there became an opportunity or something that you know you did not create. It was the favor of God that created it and made that happen. Okay, so we're not talking about foreign stuff here, right? Mm -hmm. But maybe but maybe you've never had the language for it. Okay, and why is that important? Because you said words matter. Because you can only teach someone stuff you have language for. You can only mentor someone, coach someone through something that not only that you've lived through, but now you understand how that kind of pieced together and how that worked. So I wrote it out this way. Balance creates opposition, tension, and anxiety when I'm trying to balance my work and all of this stuff. But integration works together to accomplish God's will in you. When you see that you are a whole person in Christ that's in other places. Um, so, you know, the company's grown a lot in 10 years. I know just by conversation that a lot of the culture of the company is part of your responsibility, I think, to try sure. to set culture, change culture, keep culture moving forward. Um, so, you know, how have you done that or kind of what there, there was, I know there's a lot to this, but we've landed, you've landed on telling something, me, something about leadership, your perspective that I think was pretty important. Yeah, I think one of the things that we, that we say all the time, and if anybody who works for me is out here right now, you're going to, you'll snarl your nose. Um, but, uh, man, culture is not birthday cakes and canoe trips. So many people want to talk about culture being beanbags and nap pods and all the things, man, culture for any of you who are shaping culture in your organization, that's can I look left and can I look right and can I trust the people on each side of me? That's do we hold people accountable? Do we embrace confrontation in a really healthy way? Do we look at the human being as a whole? How do we hire? Do we pull people into those decisions? Um, and it also is one massive component of that is also how do we view leadership? So similar to this concept of work-life balance, there's there's, there's, no, there's, there's not more noise on any topic than there is on leadership. And I don't claim to have this figured out by any means. Uh, guys, this is a daily journey for me, but we, we don't even use the word leadership a lot. We talk about stewardship. Uh, and so when I look at what, what I show up to work to do every single day, 
sure, maybe it's, I am a leader by role, by position, by title, but the behavior is stewardship. That's, those are leaders, those are titles, those are things of that nature. What I show up to do is steward. You know, this, this company and its people ultimately belong to God, and I've been in a position where I could steward no matter, that. No matter where they are in relationship with God. A- absolutely. They, they belong to God, and, and my job is to show up every day in the, in the seat that I sit in. And what, you know, for the last 10 years, I've had the opportunity to do that. They may cancel my, they, they may cancel my access to our building tomorrow and walk me out. And that's the end of that season, or it might be until I retire uh, whenever that is. But for whatever period of time that is, I've got to change my optics from, uh, from leadership being about me, really, this is back full circle to wisdom and favor. When I'm praying for wisdom and favor every single day, that's not so I can grow my own kingdom. It's so that I, so that I can grow his. Mm. So the question I, I have for you in this moment is just, do you view your work as stewardship? And if you did, if you were able to make the shift, how do you think it would change your work? How do you think it would change your relationships at work, your responsibilities at work? What, what has been put in your, because no matter where you are at work, there is something to steward, okay? So it can be, um, it can be resources. You've been given resources to steward, right? It can be people to steward. Not just people that are your peers at a, at a level or someone who answers Uh, reports to you. Um, We steward all of our relationships in a 360 degree circle that God has placed us into that context to steward. How are we stewarding? I love, I love, I love, I love the passage that says, if you will be faithful over a few things, I will make you rulers over many. Why? Because if I can't trust you with the little things, how can I trust you with people? Right, because people are the not little thing in the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Right, the X's and O's, the widgets and whatever. That's those are the little things. Um, ethics, um, a work ethic is a good thing, right? That means that I'm kind of I'm trying to put a good day's work in for um, I, for a good day's pay. I, I got in marker on my white on my glass board in my office and we talk to our staff about this. On a Monday, we'll sit together and very frankly, I'll ask, did you honor your call this week? So what does that mean? Did you just clock in? Did you just check in? Did you just show up? Or, or, or did you steward, and our stewardship is financial resources, obviously, right? We all give. I give, you give, there's that. But, there, but the stewardship that we that we're, uh, have at church is people. The stewardship that you work around here at, the, at this place, people. And so, so when you steward those people around you well, wow, big things, big things can happen. Yeah, so, we're evaluated as leaders, not on what we do or our contribution, but how the things that we're stewarding grow. It's yeah. a parable of the talents situation. Yeah. It, was, it was so much less about the behavior or what they did, uh, the, the servants, but the master was more concerned at looking and saying, okay, how did this grow? What did you, he looked at, he looked at their work product. He looked at the things in their care and made the assessment of their character. So are you open enough that God could have you in a place just for someone else? That there's two or three relationships 
that are in your circle now and that God has given you a stewardship responsibility for someone that might outrun you. You know, no one wanted to be the servant girl that got captured that was Naaman's servant. You can go back and read the story and believe it's 1 Kings, maybe 2 Kings. But she's the one who tells Naaman there there's a prophet in Israel. Naaman gets healed. Naaman, the captain of the Syrian army, goes back and takes Christ to a pagan nation. It starts with an unnamed, an unnamed servant girl. She's never named. And I've got several messages on this girl because who wants to be that girl? Nobody does. Nobody does. And yet, in your circle. So stewardship is leadership. I got got to move on. But we, um, so you shared this quote with me from Irenaeus. Irenaeus is an early church father. He says, the glory of God is man fully alive. And I was connecting that to last week when I talked about the Westminster Shorter Catechism that said the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. We unpacked a little of that. So help me understand your, your connecting piece and why that was an important quote for you. Yeah, I think the more compartmentalized our life becomes, the, the tougher it is to truly have an identity that is uniform. And, and, and I think personally for me, you guys speak for yourselves, um, I, I think it's tougher to see how my life is glorifying God when it's kind of parsed out and, and compartmentalized into these buckets. I was listening to a podcast, um, I guess a couple of years ago, maybe three years ago, and it wasn't even uh, it wasn't even biblically based. It was it was a it was a leadership podcast or something, um, uh, and um, he was talking about integrity and the definition of integrity. And what's so interesting is it's the most cited characteristic that individuals want from future companies or their current companies, and it's the thing that companies want most from the individuals that work there. Um, and yet, they turned around and then they would, uh, it, the second part of that survey was what is integrity? Uh, and so many people said honesty and it's having virtues and it's a moral compass, and really that lives kind of beside integrity, but if you, if you trace integrity back to the Latin, uh, it really means undivided. It means whole and complete. And so when Irenaeus mm. is saying the glory of God is man fully alive, well, what does it look like to be fully alive? You've got to kind of operate, you've got to walk this back. To be fully alive is to not be compartmentalized in these different areas, Jordan at work, Jordan as a dad, Jordan um, with his friends and family. It's, it's Jordan as this 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 guy who's given his life to Christ and he's here on this earth to do a thing and to accomplish his will. It's whole and complete and undivided. And I think that only when we get to that spot, A, we can't get there without humility and we right. can't get there without submission, but only when we get to that spot where, where it just shifts, God's economy is an inverse economy. It's not man's economy. It's not about us. We climb the ladder and get where we want to go. It's, no, God, where do you want me to go? It's redefining success and failure in life uh, as it relates to submission to him, living this whole and complete life that's undivided and submitted to him. Yeah, yeah, that's... Um... And that brings glory to God, which connects to the shorter catechism. My chief end is to glorify God. And then I didn't spend near enough time last week talking about enjoying God, that he's, that he's to be enjoyed. And I did say your view of God will determine your enjoyment of God. If you view God as scorekeeper or referee mm -hmm. or judge or any of those things, I don't see how you enjoy God. 
right? But if I, if I see as he is, he is my perfect heavenly father, and I understand that there's a, there's a breakdown depending on your relationship with your father. There, there sometimes can be a breakdown in seeing God as our father. But, but you've got to see him. If you could have made a list of what you wanted from a dad, God would exceed that. Okay? And so when, when you put yourself into that context with God the Father, there's an enjoyment. There's an enjoyment that comes from God the Father. And so when I enjoy God and I'm here to glorify Him, glorify Him to Irenaeus is to be fully alive. And so you can't check your brain at the door when you go to work. I don't expect you to check your brain at the door when you come into church. I don't expect you to just hear what me or you, you today or Mary Beth last week has to say about different things. I will, this is an engagement process with the Word and with your spirit and with the Father. And I want you to be fully alive here. And so it means, means we've got to speak to every element of your night, life because every element of your life um, is you. Right? Or you just leave here on a Sunday morning and go, that was a nice religious exercise. That was a nice religious message. But it has no application outside of here, what was the stat you gave about hating work? Um, in the United States, 85% of people are cited to hate work. And that's, that's theoretically not the engagement stats. Those are a little bit different. Uh, and then internationally, it's 95%. People say they hate So 15 hate out of every 100 people, under the sound of our voices, love So there are people in the room and watching online, based on the statistics, that hate, you, hate, you hate your work. You hate your job, or you hate the people that you're working with, or you hate the circumstance you find. Some element of that you hate, and can you actually be fully alive in something you hate? And I think some of that is if you see it as disconnected from your whole, it's easier to compartmentalize that, like you said, mm -hmm. put it over here and say that it doesn't matter. And said, we, we are whole, and God wants you to be fully alive where you are. Purpose-filled where you are. Are. Not where you aren't. You can't be purpose-filled for where you aren't. So if you're sitting around spinning your wheels thinking you like to be somewhere else, that means you're not being where you are. You're not stewarding what you have. Okay? To be purpose-filled. And then that is worship. I mean, you know, um, if, if this team that leads us in worship, come on up team, by the way, and not, you can prove me. Um, if they're not smiling as they're leading worship, what does that communicate? You are good. Good. Right? There, it, 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 there's a disconnect, right? And so it's not a performance. It is, it is a, is a, it's a leading steward position of worship and whether they ever open their mouth, it's worship. And so grumbling and complaining through work isn't worship. It's not honoring what God's put you to do. It's not honoring what he's put in front of you to do. I can understand if you don't like it, that's okay. You'd be amazed how much more you like it, how much faster you might get out of there. So just to, just to recap, here are some, here are some slides um, as a recap slide, mainly because of how many people ask me for these afterwards and you can go by Tuesday, they'll be, on, they'll be on, uh, online. So the work path, he kind of outlined a work path to us. Where you were has gotten you where you are. Where you are isn't your end. That might be something you need to hold on to. Work, live in the moment with purpose as worship. Don't be timid in asking your heavenly father for wisdom and favor. Since, since our batting this back and forth over the last couple of weeks, I have made that, I've made that a morning prayer of mine. 
And when I pray, I, I will be very specific now, Lord, today, I ask for wisdom and favor. Um, work integration, work create balance. Balance creates opposition, tension, and anxiety. Integration works together to accomplish God's will in you. And I would say, and in your place. A work pattern that we talked about is that stewardship is leadership. Stewardship is leadership. The quotes were the glory of the glory of God is man fully alive, and the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So I wonder about a prayer for you in response today. You might want to ask God to redeem your work. Um, redeem my work, Lord. I don't I don't think there's much to it, but I'm asking you to redeem my work. It might, it might be to restore your purpose. You feel like you've lost your purpose at work, whether your work, again, is raising your three kids, um, you know, or in a corporate setting, or you're working remote and you're by yourself, which I know always sounds like a good idea, right? Everybody wants to do it. And I can't tell you how many people I've talked to that's been doing it a while now that just hate being by themselves. So quick plug, I think it's every Thursday. I don't see Chris Dodd, he might be out there, but every Thursday, I think in the morning, we create the great room is a collaborative workspace. So from like nine to noon, if, you, if you're working remotely and you would like to be in a, in a different setting, it's the best room we got at the church, right? It's so cool. And he sets it up, powered, coffee, all that kind of stuff. It's a collaborative workspace from nine to noon on Thursday. Come, just sit and, and, and work. Um, and you so restore your purpose. The other might be relocate me. It's a, it's a it's an important prayer sometimes. Lord, relocate me. I, I'm this is this is not working for me. And as long as you pray that in humility, believing that He has the best in mind for you, you can pray that. Because here are the three things: two things to two things that's okay, and one thing to avoid. All right. It's okay to be disappointed. It's okay to be disappointed. All right. As long as um, it's temporary. Disappointment's okay if it's a temporary place. It is not a place to stay. And so then is dissatisfied. Dissatisfied's okay. It's okay to be dissatisfied. Dissatisfied will push you forward. But if you can but if you stay dissatisfied and you run and you run away from content, how, how did I word it specifically? But don't run past contentment on your way to more because contentment allows you to stay healthy on your path. Okay? You can be dissatisfied, but you want to still live in contentment because if you don't live in contentment, you're going to, it's going to drag you down. But here's what you shouldn't be. Don't, please don't be discouraged. This is the end place of long disappointment and long dissatisfaction is you land at this place of discouragement. Discouragement means lack of courage. And this is the place not to live because this will just run you in the ground. It makes you run past the truth that God is with you. And no matter how you rate your position or your work or your co- we all can't work for Diconia. Maybe, I don't know, go on Indeed. I don't know where you should search yourself. We can't. Um, y'all can't work for me, all of you. I think I have a great workplace. And it's because I've worked in places that weren't great workplaces. So I've done my best to to do the other way. I'm not always great, but I try to create great workplaces. That might not be your position now. It's okay. God's there. He was there Friday when you left. He'll be there Monday or tonight when you return. 
It is not a place void of God. His presence, His will, His purpose, it is not a separate, secular, cold place, no matter what you think. Embrace it, steward it, and watch God change something. I want to do something different in this service. If you need your, if you need your work redeemed or your purpose restored at work, stand up for me so we can pray for you. You need your work redeemed or you need your purpose restored at work, stand up. This is the, the prayer of wisdom and favor of wherever you find yourself. All of you. God loves you, knows exactly where you are. You have not gotten lost in this process. Jamie, even if over the tenure of your career, it has changed the climate, it's not what you signed up for, but you have signed up for those kids. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ standing in the room, standing in their homes, and first and foremost, Lord, I'd say, Lord, if the, if the time is done and that season and that company and that work is finished, Lord, I pray by your grace and by your favor, Lord, move them, open the doors that they couldn't open and show them new place. But Father, if that's not the move now, I pray that you would give them favor and you would give them grace for the moment. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would, you would undergird them in their setting. That you would allow them to see what's happening and how you're transforming the people around them. Lord, I pray provision for this body. Lord, the, none of our economic seasons escape you. And so I pray, Lord, be that you are our source in the first place, regardless of an up market, a strong dollar. You are our source, not the American economy. You're the source of our brothers and sisters in Christ standing in China today, in the Middle East. You are our source. Provide for your people in the name of Jesus. Everyone stand with me. Communion is always available on my left and on my right. The altars are always open for you to come and pray and have someone pray with you. Don't miss this opportune time. This is not just what we do before we end. It gives you a chance, a moment of pause to respond to the Father. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. Again, to learn more about Gateway Franklin Church, find us online at gatewayfranklin.com. Thanks for joining us today.